Good morning. What an honor and a privilege it is for me to be with you. Um, I, I, I have now learned a few things about your congregation, so I shan't ask the same dumb questions I asked earlier. Things like, do you ever have any famous preachers coming to visit you? Yeah, the answer apparently is no. Don't you guys know that? <laughs> Because I was, I was trying to tell the story that, you know, at my church, when someone famous or someone different comes to visit, they always put up that glorious picture of them and their family. Have you seen that one? With their two and a half children, and they're all wearing white shirts and blue jeans and white tackies, and the perfect model family. I don't have one of those, okay? I often say to people that whenever we move to a new city, we never, ever go and live in a complex, because we are loud, and uh, my family is likely to get thrown out very quickly. So we always try and find the corner house at the end of the street. Or now we live in Rosetta. We have seven hectares of land. And no one can hear us. <laughs> so my children get to shout and scream and play their hip-hop music at full volume. So, um, but I did try and sort of not you know, not, not show you my family. I brought specimen one, uh, PY. Please stand up. <laughs> that is my Zulu husband. Every Zimbabwean girl needs to be redeemed by some Zulu man. <laughs> so that's what he keeps reminding me. Uh, often, you know, I redeemed you, you know, I read, I'm like, no, 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 that's like a Jesus job. What on earth do you think you're doing there? You know, it's not you. Jesus redeemed me. You just like captured me out of my homeland. But um, we have four children, three of whom are with us and one is with the Lord. And we have two dogs. We have five goats and about 46 chickens. And we live on our very own piece of land. In South Africa, that's like a thing, hey? <laughs> land. Seven entire hectares with a river, the Moy River, running through it at the bottom. You all want to come visit, yeah? Mm -hmm. So I want to just confess up front here. I have invited your pastors to come and visit, but oh, they're busy. They're so busy, they haven't got time to go up to the Midlands. So, open invitation, guys. I have four bedrooms, three bathrooms. Come and visit. And I'm serious. I'm like your typical African. If you come with lots of you, we will find space. We will make space. But the most important thing is that we will eat. Mostly goat. So, you don't eat goat, sorry. You'll have to have the vegetables. I'm just going, if I, if I could live in Durban, I would come to this church. I really would. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, just, just, just amazing. Because it is like his people. She said, don't, shh. Um, sorry, Jen. Um, but we moved to the Midlands to Rosetta five years ago and left Johannesburg, a vibrant, alive church like this, and arrived to a church with 50 people, most of which were almost 80. 
And um, the pastor was is in his 70s. And I'm like, God, why? Why me? You know, we're young and we're hip. Yes? Do I look young and hip? Yes, I'm young and I'm hip. And he sends me to a church. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with you guys. I can see a few gray hairs. Nothing wrong with you, I promise. But you know what? All of you in a church, I mean, where, where are the others? So all of, <laughs> but anyway, God in his kindness made us the first young people in that church. And, and it's one of the things that I'll be speaking about today. That So since we've been there, there's been a lot more young people come. And now we have a pastor who's younger than me. That's like amazing. So let us pray. Start there and then I'll share with you my stories. Breathe on me, O oh Lord. 
Without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. Nothing. And that's something that I've learned, that even as accomplished as I am, without the Spirit of God, my advocate, my counselor, the one who empowers us, the very gift of God. I mean, Jesus said it in, in, in Acts 1. He says, I going away so that my Father can give you, send you the gift. And we all like gifts, most of us, huh? I like it. In fact, that's my love language. So feel free. I'll be at the back afterwards. Um, gifts of cash, gifts of credit cards with pin codes, with money in them. Okay, please don't just don't hand over credit cards that have nothing. But you know, that's like the, the Holy Spirit. The free gift that we actually do nothing for. Besides going, here God, my heart is open to you. And so that's something that I've just gone, Lord, again and again and again. Thank you for your gift that empowers me to do greater things than my parents, greater things than my pastor, greater things than those that have fed me along the way. Because actually God moves from glory to glory. Okay, those of you who are not Christians, glory just means like better, yeah. You know, like, like we've just won the World Cup. From here, we go and win the universe cup. That's like better. Do you get it? So that's what glory means. Better and better and better. And um, when uh, Ross called me and said, we're doing this series on God's will for your life, um, he said that the last service, the last session was going to be on bearing fruit. I thought, oh, I, I know that. I, I, I know all about that because I've read John 15. Yes? You, some of you have read it. Who's read John 15 ever? Okay, it looks like we'll have to read it again. Because all you lot haven't got there yet. But I'll read part of it. Because what I actually want to focus on is for me the eighth verse. Because that's just, it like blows my mind. It starts off with, I am the true vine. This is John 15. Oh, by the way. The, the, the topic of today is lessons from an ordinary farmer, me, okay? All my seven hectares experience is going to come into you this morning. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And you know, Jesus is like, gets straight to the point. You know, he doesn't sort of go, I'm the vine and you are the... I'm the true vine and my father is a gardener and then when you look beautiful, I'll make you nice and then you can bear much fruit and you'll be... He goes, no, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And you're like, come on. You know, I need some cushioning first. Don't get to the point. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. Why? So that the plant will be even more fruitful. 
And then he goes on and we have the whole remain in me and be in my vine and my words remain in you and all that. But I was gobsmacked by this particular scripture, which is verse 8. And it says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Me bearing fruit is God's glory. That's weird. That's amazing. It's like the things that I do, that I produce, bring glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's like amazing, hey? And what does that do? It shows that I'm his disciples. I'm his disciples. So when I go to work and I have had a produce, and we'll talk about that fruit in a moment, I don't even have to preach the word to the guys. The guys go, oh, you must be God's disciple because I can see there is fruit around you. So for those of you who don't like to go on mission, you're off the hook. All you have to do is bear fruit. And fruit, hopefully, that will last Fruit that is delicious. Fruit that is whole. And God is glorified. And the world sees that we are his disciples as a result of just being you. Because every single one of us has got our own shape of fruit, right? You're an apple tree, you're a banana tree, you're a peach tree, you're a purple tree. Okay, there's no such thing. Do you know what I mean? Every single one of us uniquely is a different fruit created by God to serve the purpose of glorifying him on this earth. So now, you know, some of you may be wondering, well, what, kind, what is fruit? I mean, what is fruit for a human being? But let's go back and have a look quickly at what is fruit. So fruit is actually, I, looked, I went to that, um, that place that font of all knowledge, Google, and it said, fruit is a seed-bearing structure that develops from the ovary of a flowering plant. Fruit is the seed-bearing structure that develops from the ovary of a flowering plant. Now, I may not be a plant, but I got ovaries, yeah? And uh, that means that my ovaries have developed, have uh, what's it, created fruit, yes? And that means that fruit, the fruit of my womb has got seed in it, yes? It says fruit is the seed-bearing structure that develops from the ovary of a flowering plant. That means every single one of you have got seed. That means you can be planted and watered and empowered by the Holy Spirit, fertilized, and then you can bear more fruit. And do you know what? You bear fruit after your own kind. You bear fruit after your own kind. Now, I'm a musician, and so I bear musician-y fruit. <laughs> but I'll explain that to you a little bit later. So, Lessons from, a far, from farmer Audrey, ordinary farmer. What does, fruit, what does a plant need in order to bear fruit? It needs water. And if I translate that to what God says, I can show you the picture of what I can do through nature. 
and I do the same thing with you. So that it's not complicated. God's word's quite simple. You know, he says, here's a picture. So when you look at a plant, it needs water. How many of you have ever killed your plants because you forgot to water them? Yeah. Without water, we die. Without, and the water is, it says here in John 15, you're already clean because of my word. The water that we put on plants for us is the same as the word of God. The word of God is the water that we need in our lives in this seed in order to grow, in order to actually stay alive. How much water are we giving this seed? I'm very good at highlights. You know, I like to like wake up and go, what's the verse for the day? And read it, and then that's all the water. But that's like a sip. That's not 10 liters. That's not a watering for 30 minutes, correct? So, without water, how much fruit will we bear? We had a little bit of a drought last year, and my husband has um, uh, not a spud lane, but a potato, a sweet potato lane. So we've got these bas baskets of sweet potatoes that drive down one of our driveways. And we had very little water, but we also didn't put any more waters on it. We got sweet potatoes that were sort of this big, compared to the previous year when we'd had l a proper harvest. And then I realized that we just had not given enough water. Plants also need fertilizer. What does fertilizer do? Okay, I know you're all city folk, but you've used fertilizer on your lawn. Yes? What does it do? It accelerates growth. It nourishes like you take vitamins. Yes? It nourishes. It gives that extra acceleration boost power. And for me, that looks like the Holy Spirit. That's what he comes to do. He comes to accelerate your growth. He comes to give you power from on high. Not supernatural power. Not just the power that's sitting around in the soil that's sort of, you know, he comes and goes, here's an extra dose. And when we give that extra dose, especially straight after winter, there is a growth that is strong and flourishing. Those flowers on that plant do a lot better. And then all plants need sun, correct? Or a little bit of semi-shade, but generally we do need sun. And God in his grace said, here is my son, Jesus. And with Jesus, you have everything you need. You have an example of how to walk. You have an example of how to be. You have an example of what it is to me means to give up a little bit of yourself for others. I mean, he gave his whole self for others. And that is the son of God. And then I, I love the, the, the other one, which is a very important for plants. Any of you have any rose bushes? Gosh, no one. One, two. Okay, be brave, guys. This is not like, no one's watching you because everyone's facing forward, so you can all raise your hands high. Who's got roses? And who prunes their own roses? There's this whole thing about like cutting back. Pruning is important. Now, I read something this, this, this week that I just thought, wow, this is amazing. It says here about, and I was reading about pruning apples, and it says, pruning an apple tree every year is not just recommended, it is essential. Not just recommended, it is essential, pruning. Now, how many, who has never pruned anything in their lives? Yeah, I see all the black people. 
Listen here, I grew up with farming parents and I hated every single day that they woke us up to go somewhere and till and put fertilizer and plant. But because it was maize, we never pruned it. You know what I mean? The maize just grows. And then I, you know, move into suburbia and there's roses and they tell me to cut back my plant. So it will be, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I want it to become a big rose bush. Yeah, but you've got to cut it back in order to become a big rose bush. And, f- and I'm turning into a white gogo very quickly. You know, those ones that have pruning scissors that they buy and they keep close and no one else is allowed to use it. So you can, it's actually a fascinating thing, cutting back that particular plant. And it says it's not only recommended for your roses, but also for fruit trees. It's not only recommended, it is essential. You will need to prune your apple tree to train it to a central leader stem, right? The first year, you need to train it to a central leader and for maintenance every year after that. And it says to stimulate fruit production and to keep the tree open and balanced. That's what pruning does. Further on it says, without regular pruning, an apple tree produces lots of vegetative growth that then turns into fruiting wood. If a tree has too much fruiting wood, it begins to produce too many apples, which weakens the tree and results in inferior and eventually fewer and less palatable apples. The key to achieve a healthy balance of vegetative growth and fruiting wood The key is to achieve a healthy balance of vegetative growth and fruiting wood so that the tree has enough energy to produce healthy apples. Did you know that? No, I learned something this week about pruning. I mean, I do it because I've heard that it's the right thing. And I have to tell you, we had an experience. We lived in Johannesburg with four fruit trees and one nut tree. For five years, they sort of had this little bolicky things that were, were, they looked like berries. And the, the, the flowers would be so pretty. And then there would be little berry things. And then they would fall off and we would rake them up and we had put them in a compost heap. Lovely compost heap. My garden had lots of compost because of these five trees. Then somebody arrived one day and they said, oh, did you know that um, the, you've got fruit trees? Oh, you've got fruit trees in your garden. We're like, no, we don't have fruit trees. He says, no, no, no. Those two are plums, those two are nectarines, and that's an almond tree. Big almond tree. And I'd be like, but they don't give us fruit. And they said, yeah, but do you spray them? And we're like, uh, no, why would we spray trees? You put water, you put fertilizer, and it produces. No, we'd never prune them, and we'd never spray them. So that's the other thing that every plant needs. It needs for you to remove the hohos when it's flowering. Because if the tree flowers and hohos get in, they eat the actual thing that makes the fruit. So then you have very inferior fruit. So we started the next spring and we sprayed and we pruned. And goodness me, we made jam for the year after we had eaten, you know. I mean, they were like big nectarines, yay big. We had a double chest freezer that we were like freezing fruit and giving it away in buckets. It was unbelievable. Because we had fertilized, pruned, and sprayed. Fertilized, instilled the Holy Spirit in your life. 
pruned, take on some cutting. Eek. And what was the other one? Spray. Now, there are many chochos in our lives. <laughs> we tend to call them naysayers, you know. They're not your mother-in-law. They're often like your best friend who can't sing, you know. Why do you want to sing? Oh, well, I want to sing because I think Jesus wants me to sing. Yeah, but you know, Audrey, nobody really likes to listen to you too much. You should just sing in the shower. But Nay says, the people, the things that are around you, things and people that are around you that are not egging you on to the greater things that God has called you on, we call those hojos. We need to spray them a little bit. Sometimes you need to get rid of them. Yeah? And um, I remember sort of a while ago just really realizing that I, had, I was traveling a lot and I was going all over the place and leaving my husband home with very young children. And I remember one of my friends coming up to me and saying, do you really think God is calling you to do all of this and leaving your husband and children alone at home? I'm like, I'm gone for two weeks. I haven't gone for three years. But I really started questioning what God had asked me to do, had called me to do because of that word. And she was like my best friend. Not, you know, she's not a ho-ho, but, she, but her words were not encouraging. Her no, words were not building. Her words were not saying, take on the world, and if, you, if I can look after your children while you're gone, we'll take it on together. Do you understand what I'm saying? So watch out for those ho-ho's. And finally, I just want to share with you a, a principle uh, that I sort of came across a few years ago and have really tried to operate in a lot in my life. And that is the principle of firsts and barriers. So, if I am standing here and there is a ticker tape, they call it a ticker tape in America, I don't know what we call it, yeah, and we're running a race, yeah, who gets to win? Who gets to win? The person who breaks it first, yeah? That's the winner. But do the other guys stop running if, if, if I break the tape? So they all still run, correct? Okay, great. So you got the, you got the, 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 the vision. And take, any of you seen the scenes of the Berlin Wall fall? That, there was a wall, and then there was a crack, and then the thing, and then the whole thing came down. Correct? So... That, I just want to share with you something in, in, in that sense. I have been looking at not only my life, but at the lives of, 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 of people around, around me and in the world. Any of you heard of Roger Bannister? He was the man that first ran the four-minute mile, under four minutes. Right? So he ran the mile in under four minutes, three minutes 59 on the 6th of May, 1954. Right? He was, now, he was a medic student who took years and he studied and he found ways to train that would allow him to eventually beat that goal. Now, there's been another goal that's been uh, set this year and another barrier that's been broken in the running field. Anyone know which one it is? The marathon, Kipchoge, 
our very own, not South African, just African, who ran the marathon in under two hours. Now, what happened when Roger, Roger Bannister ran that uh, uh, mile in under four minutes is that he ran and he beat that thing. And literally 46 days later, that particular record was broken. It almost seems that for years and years and years, it had been a barrier that people weren't getting across. And then he broke it. And before you knew it, everybody was running faster than four minutes. And I read something so interesting that I actually want to read to you about, about his life. Um, because he was actually a neurologist when he, uh, uh, if I can get my thing to open, when he was, um, uh, as when he eventually graduated and became a, a, a doctor, he became a neurologist. And this is what he said. I'm going to find it. No, I can't find it. It's gone. It's disappeared. It's gone. Okay, well, I won't share that with you, but I'll then, what I wanted to try and do is... <laughs> it's gone. Um, to say to you, because basically what he had said is that uh, when he hung up his boots, he talked about not wanting to, to focus on the running because he was actually going to become a doctor now and he wanted to give his all onto the running. But essentially, lots of other people broke that barrier years and years later. However, he still remained the first that broke that barrier. And I can tell you now with Iliad Kipchoge, who's done that particular thing, it, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing what we're going to see in the next short while. 1967, a young woman called Kathy Switcher did you know that the Boston Marathon was only run by men before 1966? You could only run it if you were male. And so in 1966, a woman ran it, and she could not enter the race. But she ran it, and she finished it. The next year, Kathy Switzer was wiser, and she said, I'm going to enter the race, because otherwise your time can't be recorded that you've actually finished entered the race, only used her initial. Her boyfriend and her parents said, you're crazy, don't do it, don't do it, it's too far, no woman can run it. But she got a lot of encouragement from other males. I don't know if they, they didn't have Facebook then, so I don't know how they encouraged her. But they didn't know who she was, so they encouraged her to run. But the day that the race was run, the officials were suddenly shocked that there was a woman in the race and ran after her trying to grab her number off her because they didn't want to let her compete. She finished the race and held the esteemed position of being the first woman to have run and completed the Boston Marathon. Which ones of you are called to be first? To break the barrier so that others can run. I mean, now everybody can run. Children, adults, as long as you race, you know, you've got a time and you can race and you can enter, anyone can run. But if no one takes that first step, how else will others be able to get in there? Now, um, 
I've got a few firsts myself, and I think, you know, as, as I said to you earlier, that sometimes we bear fruit in our own kind. So I'm a musician, I have, have three albums, I have a, a board game that I've just uh, uh, created, I dabbled in writing and I've got a few books, I have four children, that's fruit in itself, guys, go with it. Um, you know, so in essence, I find that there is fruit in my life that is bearing after its own kind. So I've had those successes. And when I recorded my first album in 2008, my church, in my church, nobody else had ever recorded an album. But in 2008, after releasing mine, the next year, three other girls in the, in the, in the church released their album our church band then released an album and they got onto their second. And before we know it, three other churches that were affiliated to us suddenly realized, oh, this is possible. With God, nothing is impossible. But sometimes it takes that pioneer, that person who's willing to run with God at the front of the pack, break down the barrier for others to run through. Because I said earlier, when you break down that first ticker tape as the first, it doesn't mean the rest stop running. The rest probably have been running, but they don't know that actually the race has ended. But they will not be, it's not the end of the race. They will follow through in that race. Do you get my drift? And so I feel like God wants to call out some of you who are first. And one of the things that I did when I was... Um, uh, in 2005 when I was just on a mission to really start to fulfill God's call on my life is that I wrote a musical and that musical I'd never written a musical before I'd never been trained to write a musical it wasn't in my makeup but you know I used to have a pastor in Cape Town who used to say you know when you bear fruit it doesn't sort of go apple tree I'm going to bear I'm going to put out an apple tree apple tree Ooh, apple uh, apple yeah? No, you don't hear a tree groaning to create its fruit. And I think sometimes we feel like we've got to... Okay, I know we do that with babies, but you know, other fruits, it's a little easier. Okay, it can be a little easier. And I think I just wanted to share that, that sometimes God just is gracious enough to drop the seed of the fruit in our spirits and what we do with that is then his glory. He waters it. He fertilizes it. And it eventually becomes into being. And I was lying in bed one day and I was reading this particular scripture. John 15 once again and I went to bed and it said in, um, in verse, verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Sometimes we don't take God's word literally. Ask whatever you wish. If you remain in him and his word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And this is the best part. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
So I read that and I'm, I'm loving God's word and I'm reading and I'm like, oh, it's amazing. And I wake up the next morning and I have a song in my head. And uh, uh, my husband said next to me, I'm thinking, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Remain in me. And, I ring, and then I get my phone quickly. I put on the record because you know you're going to forget, right? Because I don't want him to wake him up. It's six o'clock in the morning, but you know, husbands need to wake up when they want to wake up, not when you wake them up. And then he goes off to the bathroom, and I get it, and I sing it a little bit louder. And this was a song that I sang. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Whoa, whoa, remain in me. And I will remain in you. You can bear much fruit in me. That was all I sang. By the time I had got that out and recorded it, suddenly I just felt whoosh. You know when somebody you get an idea and you got the complete idea? He'd gone off to go and shower. I got out the bed, got a notebook, sat in my bed, and I wrote the whole storyline for a musical. It's called The Signs. It's a story of Jesus told by the devil from his perspective. 18 brand new songs came out of that. That was the first song that we wrote. And that's actually sort of halfway through the second act is that particular song. But that was the seed of the fruit that was to come. That production has been put on by at least four different churches. It's been put on by a couple of, of schools. We put it on at the Reps Theatre in Zimbabwe, and we put it on at the Johannesburg Civic Theatre in, ja in, well, Johannesburg Civic Theatre in Durban. <laughs> so, some, so what I wanted to say is that, for me, that was a first. And before I knew it, there was others in our church that were writing stuff, writing stuff. But also that fruit was not complete. There was the part that God downloaded, and then there was a part that he said, you need to get others around you. And that's one thing I haven't mentioned about fruit trees. When you plant a fruit tree, you can't, you've got to plant lots of them because you don't know which one will have lots of fruit, yes? But now you can't plant eight pink apple trees. You need to cross-pollinate, so you need to plant different types of apple trees. Correct? So a pink one, that's a crisp apple tree, and a pink one, which is a red apple tree, well, you've got to plant different ones because then they cross-pollinate each other. And that's just God going, I know you can't do this by yourself, so I'm going to give you different versions around you to build this thing together. And that's what he did with that play. We, I had my husband joined in, my brother-in-law's brother-in-law joined in. I got a friend of mine from church and we wrote 18 different songs that became one production that provided fruit for many, many people to hear the gospel in an unthreatening way to grow the kingdom of God. And so... The principle of firsts works because Jesus said he was the first to resurrect from the dead to show us when we will resurrect from the dead. So many examples in, in history of, of, of those firsts, of people breaking the barriers for others to come. And I want to put a challenge out there. What do you believe? What do you believe about what God has said about your call? 
I was in Tanzania last Sunday at a church there that is the fruit of one of the guys that I was in a rock band with at Varsity. Can you believe it? A church in Tanzania, Pete's church, Jen. Pete and I were in a rock band. You don't, you don't know. Yeah, I was a shoe-up girl. I had a skinny skirt up to, wasn't it? Short skirt up to here. Splish, splash, I was taking a bath all on a Saturday night. And then it was all about Jesus, and we were evangelizing, and lots of people got saved. Yeah? And then that guy has planted churches all over Zimbabwe, all over Johannesburg, and there's a plant of a church in Tanzania, Dar es Salaam. I'm going, I cannot believe it. I'll have you know, standing right here, I am the fruit of that woman's ministry. Her and her husband completely changed the way I see life and the way I see God's call on my life. What do you believe about what God has said about you? What do you believe about your impact, not only on your family, but on this city, on this nation, on this continent, on the world? I produce fruit after my own kind, yeah? My son, who, is, who was 14, five years ago, released his first album. And now, him and his younger brother, who's 13, are about to release a hip-hop album. Okay, that's not after my kind, but it's music, okay? My, my daughter released her first single last year. Belinda released her single shortly after me. Sue Marie released her single shortly after me. So I'm going, what is it that God's calling you to do first that others can follow? So I'm going to pray and I'm going to sing this song and I'd like you to really, if you are the kind of person that knows that God has a first calling on you, would you stand up? And you probably haven't started that journey yet. You have done nothing about it yet. And uh, you are just trusting God to break or to help you break open that barrier and begin to run and allow others to run through. It is a mandate that God has given us to be great. Why? for his glory, and to show that we are his disciples. Father, 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 we give you, <laughs> we give you our hearts, first of all. We give you our dreams. And we ask Jesus, inspire us, grow us, empower us, build us for the calling of the first, for the breaking of barriers. We speak to every barrier in front of us right now, God, and we say it will be broken by your spirit empowering us to get through. The spirit of breakthrough right now in us, 
in the mighty name of Jesus. Huh. We thank you for those that, that we haven't even seen that are behind us that will break through straight behind us. Thank you, God. Father, we are sorry where we have not had enough faith to stand. But we stand now. We stand now. Empower us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I know we are over, well over time, but I'd love to just sing this last song for you. It's called I Still Believe. And especially for you guys who've just prayed with me, we have a tendency to believe in Him. But I want to tell you now, He believes in you. Thank you, uh, Leanne, if you can just play that. You know, when I was uh, pruned after the passing away of my son, I thought, I can't, I cannot do this anymore. And sometimes you experience pruning before others, but there is great fruit after that. So when the sun no longer shines And all of your dreams Of all you could be Take flight When the pain has left you blind And all you believed Is now just a fading light You can
Don't you just love her? <laughs> Heavenly Father, as we, as we wrap this up, God, I, I believe that there will be firsts come out of here. And, and I believe that, um, I actually believe that the people who have had something God's birthed in you constantly taken because of chokos. Jesus, I'm asking that you deliver people. And I just ask your grace flows over this congregation as we go now in Jesus' name.